I invite you to take your copy of God's Word today, if you will, and turn, if you will, to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. If you were here last week, I talked to you about the emphases that we would have this year as a church. You know, we have begun a new year, and it has begun in earnest, right? I mean, this week we've gotten back to work. There are things that have been accomplished already, and we've already begun to move into 2017. Hard to believe. But yet, God has called us to new opportunities and I think new ministries. He has really called us to focus ourselves upon our relationship with Him. And today as we think about that relationship, as we think about what He would have for us, I would suggest to you this year for us as a church in particular that He has called us to some different emphases in our lives. I think He has called us to think about prayer. I think He has really called us to think about giving, that he has called us to think about witnessing. Those three in particular, not that the other disciplines are not important, but I'm just saying to you that these are three disciplines I believe with all of my heart that God is wanting to emphasize in our lives. So today, we begin a new series as we think about prayer in particular. And if we're going to begin talking about prayer I'm not sure there's a better passage than Matthew chapter 6 and this classic prayer that is given by Christ Jesus. Now, most of us learned this probably when we were children. And most of us, at least I'm guessing, okay, in this service, most of us learned it in the old King James, right? So just today and the next few Sundays, that is, as I preach on this passage... I'm going to use the old King James. Some of you look very astounded. Some of you are thinking, we are going back in the past. But I think it's only, well, it's only appropriate as we think about these verses that we have so well known in the King James to, to read out of the King James the next few weeks as we look at this passage. Matthew chapter 6. I want us to begin as we look in verse 9. Jesus is speaking. I'll give you the context in a moment. But Jesus is speaking here. And he says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. How powerful are those words? I mean, still to this day in my life, and I have heard this passage, I memorized it when I was younger, still now those words seem to carry so much power and so much strength as we think of it. Well, let me give you the context again for this prayer. If you look at Matthew 6, when you come into that chapter, you recognize that you are in the middle of one of the greatest teachings that has ever occurred. You're right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus is teaching his 
disciples. Matthew in particular emphasizes the teaching ministry of Jesus. And he gives us this extended session, this extended passage as Jesus would teach about different ethical and moral things. And here he comes to the subject of prayer. Now, Dr. Luke tells us, Dr. Luke tells us that there was a question that prompted Jesus. That the disciples looked at Jesus and they said, basically, Lord, teach us how to pray. Now, somehow, in some way, they had seen Jesus pray. They had recognized his prayer life. And they knew that there was something different, unique, powerful about the way he approached God in prayer. So they went to him and said, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? You know, you see people sometimes that have specific skills. They are just really gifted in certain areas. And you'd like to go up to them and say, hey, would you teach me how to do that? You know some people like that? I was thinking about it a moment ago as Jeremy was leading the orchestra. I've never been able to do that. But I'd love to be standing here one day behind this pulpit and just do like he did and the music start automatically. Where'd they go? Thought that we're going to be on cue. But Jeremy, Jeremy can lead an orchestra. Chris, he can play the guitar. He's been doing that up there in the gathering this morning. You know, I think through the staff of different ones of them that I would like for them to teach me maybe or, or, or teach you how to do something. Like Ben, he's with us now. And he can speak Mandarin. That's pretty cool, right? I like to do that. I see Loy over here. Loy and Jason, you talk about golfing. They can talk to you about golfing, all right? They can teach you some things about golfing. Casey was over here, still over here. He can give you a little bit on biking. If you want to know anything about biking, I don't know if I do because I'm afraid of it, but he will tell you about biking. Sally, well, I told Leslie this morning, Sally's gift has to be in some kind of craft or something because if you came to the Christmas ornament party, did you come? Some of you, you didn't. You missed out. You had to have a Ph.D. to do some of those projects that they had for the kids and for us. I mean, Sally is gifted, and Jessica must be too. Well, I was thinking about John Eugene. I said, you, you ought to ask him to play cards. And then I got thinking about it. No, he is terrible at playing cards. He's terrible. You tell him I said it when you see him as well, all right? Maybe basketball, but not cards. If you want to, somebody to play cards, get Dale to teach you how to do that. Dale can do that. And while you're there, you're playing cards with Dale, ask him to talk to you about the art of eating ice cream. Maybe you can talk to him and you can learn some things. Did I miss anybody? Have I got everybody? I hope I didn't miss anybody. I had them all written out and decided I wouldn't look at it this morning. But Oh, and if you really want some skill, especially in the outdoors, you come see your pastor, all right? I've tutored a lot of you already, and I'm looking forward to many, many years of tutoring some more of you as we go into the woods together. You know, it, there are certain things that people are gifted with. There are certain skills that they have. So get this. They've been around Jesus through all his ministry, and they have seen something that is powerful. They have seen something that's just amazing about Jesus in his prayer life as he goes into that secret moment. They can just recognize there's something about him. And they say to him, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Well, Jesus, who is always generous, 
Jesus who is always willing to counsel and to help his people. Well, Jesus looks at them and says, After this manner, therefore pray ye. Now, let me remind you of this. When Jesus gives this prayer, some people call it the Lord's Prayer. Perhaps it is better entitled the Disciples' Prayer or the Model Prayer. When Jesus gives this prayer, he is not giving us what to say. He is showing us how to pray. That is so important here in this in this place. And I, I'm not against repeating the Lord's Prayer. Not against it at all. But I want you to know that that is not just the only way to pray. It's not just about the recitation of the Lord's Prayer. It's not just about some ritual. What Jesus was doing is saying, this is how you pray. And today, I want to focus on this specific phrase, our Father. Because I think it is the key to the prayer. The key to us coming before God. Notice Jesus begins this prayer, our Father. That reminds us that prayer begins with relationship. I mean, as we start this emphasis, as we start this series on prayer itself, we've got to be reminded that prayer itself begins with relationship. It's about your relationship with God. As you come before Him, your prayer life has got to grow out of the relationship that you have with Him. It is so important. And it also reminds us that this relationship in particular, that it is a personal relationship. Our Father. He speaks of a personal relationship. God is a person. You've got to be reminded, I've got to be reminded of that. He is a person. Now, I'm probably going to lose some credibility with you, but I like the movie Star Wars or the movies that are in the Star Wars series. I like that. Again, some of you just probably tuned me out. I like them. I like to go watch them. There's some cool stuff about it. But you know, as I'm sitting there thinking and as I'm watching this, they talk about this force that is out there. Let me just say to you, while I appreciate the movies and all the things that I see, God is not just a simple immaterial force that is to be channeled. Our God is not a force to be channeled, but He is a person to be fellowshiped with. And that makes all the difference in the world. When I come in prayer, I know I'm talking to a person. It's nice to talk to a person every now and then, isn't it? When they call you on the phone or when you call up a company and you need help, it's nice talking to a person. Not just some automated machine somewhere along the line. Don't you love it when you get those robocalls from Dr. Reggie from Temple Baptist Church? I've had people so frustrated because they've tried to talk to me on those phone calls. It's nice to talk to a person. When you go in prayer, you are talking to a person. You are talking to God himself. It is not some automated response. 
It is not some force that is out there. This is a person that wants to enjoy a relationship with you, wants to enjoy a relationship with me. That is what Jesus is teaching us. He says, when you come before God, you recognize that you come in this posture of relationship, that he is our father. We have a personal relationship. Last year, when I started 2016, I preached a series from the book of Psalms in particular. And I emphasized our relationship with the God. And so many of those Psalms reflected the prayers of the people, the prayers that really had grown out of the relationship that they had had with God, the personal relationship that they felt like they could talk to him. Because this is the key. If he's a person and you are a person and you are to have fellowship together, then that means you have to communicate together. You have to talk together. I think God has created us for a relationship. I think he has created, created every one of us for a relationship with him and a relationship with other people. You know, as I think about the blessings of 2016, I give thanks so often because of the relationships God has given me. And he's given me many relationships over the years that I've enjoyed within the church context. So many different ones. And still I stay in contact. The different people communicate with me. The relationships that I have here that I enjoy, that I love, the relationships in my family life, I'm so thankful that God gives us relationships, that he allows us to relate to one another. But God says, you can relate to me, and you can talk to me, and I can communicate with you because at the key or at the, at, at the very essential aspect of every relationship is communication. You've got to talk to get to know people. Wouldn't you agree with me on that? If you want to know somebody, you've got to go up and you've got to start talking to them. They've got to talk to you. You've got to know what's going on in their lives. They've got to know what's going on. If you're really going to get to know people, you've got to learn to communicate. There's got to be a common language that you share and that you share with one another. So you simply talk in a relationship. Could you imagine at any moment a day, and I've used this example before, but I use it again, this, this idea that one day I would come in and I would say, hey, Leslie, you know what? I love this relationship. I love you, but I don't want to talk to you for the next month. Don't say a word to me. I won't say a word to you. Now, guys, I don't know how your wife would react to that. And my wife is a very sweet, kind-hearted individual. But it wouldn't go over well. No, 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 no. Not at all. There would be some communication, at least from her side. She would, I mean, why? Because talking and communication is at the heart of the relationship. And your relationship with God, if you're going to have a strong relationship with him, you've got to talk to him. And certainly he wants to speak to you. As you talk to him, he speaks to you. You have got to develop that relationship through talking, through sharing. Paul will later on say 
that we ought to pray without ceasing. Think about that concept a moment. Pray without ceasing. Does that mean that we just stay constantly at the altar? We stay constantly in a closet somewhere. We pray all, we never come out. We never see anybody. We never go to our jobs. That's not what he's saying. That's not what Paul was saying at all. I think what Paul was trying to communicate is, is that you are in constant relationship with the God above. And when you pray without ceasing, that is you are in communion with him throughout the day and daily. When you allow your life to align with his as you communicate and you talk to him throughout the day constantly. Somehow God grows you and he develops you and he certainly develops the relationship that he has placed you in. Our father. He's a person that we can talk to, that we can communicate with. You know, this is an intimate relationship because God is not just a person. According to the way Jesus frames this for us, he is our father. Now see, that, that brings the relationship even closer, doesn't it? It makes it even more intimate. When you recognize he's not just some person out there. Oh, he's a different type of person. And next week, we'll talk about how to approach his holiness. He is a different type of person. But Jesus sets the stage for us to remind us that this is an intimate relationship that we can have with him. That he is our father. Most all commentators will agree. Most scholars will agree that the Greek term here is a translation of the Aramaic term Abba. We find it in the New Testament, sometimes just left in the Aramaic form, Abba. It's an intimate term for the Father. It means something like Daddy. Daddy. Our Father, our Dad in heaven. Very intimate terminology. There's something about that. Guys in here, ladies who are parents, there's something special about your child calling you daddy or mama. Isn't there something about it when they look at you? Or maybe they have their own term for you. Some intimate type of term. There's something about that. Some of you know that my kids, since they were very young, they've called me dad. And I've loved that. I hope when they're 35 years old, they still call me dad. There's something of that relationship that is communicated through that personal term. And here Jesus says, our father, our dad, this close communion, this close relationship that we can have. Jesus often referenced God as the father is his dad, the Abba. He often did that. He prayed to him in such ways. He referred to him in such ways. Now, of course, Jesus was the unique divine son of God. There is no one else like him. I admit that. I put that out there for you to understand today. But listen to what Jesus says here. As he uses a first person plural pronoun. He says, 
our Father. So this is collective. Yes, Jesus is the Son of God, but Jesus says basically all of us disciples, all of you who are following me, those Christ followers, all of you, you can refer to him as your dad, as your father as well. Folks, that's just awesome. I know it's not rocking some of y'all's world this morning because y'all looking off into space, but I'm telling you, that rocks my world. To know that I can come before him and I can call him my dad just as Jesus Christ came before him and said, Our Father, I can come and say, Our Father. How awesome is that? That the God of this universe, that the God of heaven said he wanted to have a relationship with you and he wanted to have a relationship with me and I can go before him and I can talk to him. It makes a difference in my world daily. It makes a difference in my life to know that I can go before him and that he accepts me. And you know what? I'm not alone in my prayers. We should never forget that when we say our father, that he is the God of all of us who have trusted in him and who have believed in him. He is the God of us all. I would be amiss today not to stop, though, and say here at this point, or ask the question at least, are you truly a Christ follower? And is he truly your father? The only way you can truly pray and see the effectiveness and see the relationship is by being in relationship with Christ Jesus. Today in this place, I ask you, have you given your heart and your life to Jesus Christ? Have you followed him with all that you have? Because prayer begins with relationship. It begins with your coming and saying, I recognize you as my father who sent your son, Jesus, for me so that I could join the family, be a part, Our Father. Well, prayer begins with a relationship, and I believe prayer blossoms with realness. With realness. I'm not sure that's a word. I went and looked it up more. But I like that. I like that term, realness. If you're going to come before God, you got to be real. And really, that's what Jesus has taught in this, right? He comes and he says, All right, he's your Father our father, but you come before him as a real person with real motives, with real words, with real request. That's when your prayer life blossoms. I want to look back, if I can, this morning, just to a few verses here. Of course, Jesus is confronting those who would do things for their public gain. He was confronting those who were motivated by the public show of everything and who wanted this great applause from individuals. He was confronting that, and this is what he says back in verse 5. He said, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now, 
Jesus is teaching here on prayer. And he says, there are a group of folks out there that will pray publicly for their own motivations and their own rewards. Now, God was not condemning public prayer, right? You agree, huh? Otherwise, Dr. Hearn's in big trouble already. He'll be at the altar very first thing because he just prayed a few moments ago publicly. There's nothing wrong with public prayer. Jesus was not saying, you can't pray publicly. Later in the New Testament, there will be examples of public prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. Just like giving. You know, sometimes I've had people ask me before, you know, I've been asked to give to this and asked to give to that outside the church, you know, and they want to recognize there's nothing wrong with even public giving as long as your motivation is not for the earthly reward that you're getting here. Here, it's about your motivation. It is about your heart. So when you come before your father, you come before him with the right motivations. You come before him with the right heart. He wants you to be real in who you are. This is more than a show. This is more than just a demonstration. So you got to be real with your motivations. He also said you got to be real with your words. Verse 7, he said, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So he says, when you pray, just be real. You don't have to use vain repetition. You don't have to use flowery language. You don't have to, you don't have to do that in order to get God's attention. You can just talk to him. Kind of like your dad, right? I mean, how many of you make sure before you approach your dad that you have, well, that you have grammatically checked everything, that you have used or utilized as much King James language as you can. How many of you do that when you see your dad? Or you used to do that? Yeah, kind of, no. So he said, well, you just use the King James. Doesn't that seem flowery or so? Folks, I'm, I use the King James this morning because that is the, the passage, the version that we're so familiar with. But you don't have to use King James language before, when you go before God. You don't have to use Reggie language. You don't have to use NIV language. You, you know what? You just use your own language when you go before God. That's what he says. He's your father. He's in an intimate relationship. You just have to come before him and you just have to speak to him. Just talk to him. Just tell him what's on your heart. Tell him what's going on. Ask him for counsel and wisdom. In the Old Testament, they believed you had to demonstrate some type of sincerity by repeating or maybe even harming yourself. Do you remember the Baalist priest on Mount Carmel? They had this opportunity to demonstrate Baal's great power. And they called upon Baal. And what did they do? Well, they had every kind of demonstration that you could imagine. They would jump and they would leap and they would scream and they would shout and they would call forth. And when Baal had not answered them, they began to harm themselves, hoping that their devotion would bring down their God. And all through that demonstration, Baal was proven to be a false god. When Elijah stepped and called forth from heaven, 
the fire of heaven fell. And the God of Israel was demonstrated as the one true God. God is not impressed. He is not impressed by our pretense, by our own language, our own flowery attempts to impress him. He's not impressed by those things. You know, as I get a little bit older, and I'm starting to get there now, this may be a difficult year for me, I'm just telling you. I hit one of those decade moments in my life. You better be praying now. I know it's October, but you better be praying now. <laughs> as I get a little bit older, I, I think I long for authenticity more and more in my relationship with God and my relationship with other people. God longs for authenticity. He longs for real people who come before him with real motives and just speak the real words. Just speak their hearts. And friends, you've got to be real with your request. Like I said, what's really on your heart? You come forth to pray. Some people are intimidated by prayer. You don't have to be intimidated by prayer because, again, you're just coming to talk to your father. He wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear who you are. And you just share your own request, your own beliefs. You know, in verse 6 of that chapter, it says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. What he says is, there are times for you just to get alone with God. Just kind of go alone, go by yourself, just talk to him. You know what I've noticed? Is I can have some of the most intimate conversations in one-on-ones with people. Without a third party, without somebody else. I mean, I just talk to people, you know. They talk to you, I talk to... It's, there's just a sense of intimacy when it's just the two of you. It's kind of like in marriage, right? You can share some things together that is after you finally get the kids to bed and you get them situated you can talk about things you can talk about things in life we talk about things in the job you can talk about things maybe you wouldn't talk about in front of the children there's something about the intimacy of two people just talking two people just sharing and the father says come on in i got time for you you know, let's just go away in a secret place where nobody else can hear what's being said and you just come in and you share your heart and your request. You just, let's just talk. You come on in. Again, how amazing is that? The God of the universe that is in charge of all of the sustaining of things, the government's, the world activities, all the things that we can think about that's going on, this God's in charge of it. And nothing ever misses a beat. And he can still come and say, hey, I got time for you. I'd like to talk to you one-on-one. I'd like to share with you just a little bit. You come and talk to me. And you know what's awesome about the Father? Is when you talk to him in secret, he keeps your confidence. You can trust him. You know, some of us, we have people that we know we can go to and we 
We can trust them. That means a lot, doesn't it? I mean, people that you can pour your heart out to, Brother BK, people that you can just share some of your struggles with and weaknesses, and you never have to worry about hearing it out on the street because they hold those confidences. How great is that? That's when you know you found somebody, right? A true friend, a true bond, when they'll collect all of those things that you've said, all of all of those things that you spoke in trust. And they'll gather them up and they'll hold them together. Never to be announced to the world. But rather just something that you can quietly share with him. You can share your request. You can talk to him about your struggles. You can come to him and say, God, I got a problem. You can come to him and say, God... I am so tempted right now and I am so close to giving in. You may not can say that to some other people, but you can say that to God. And you know what? God already knew it before you said it anyway. But as you're talking to him and you're sharing that, oh, that trust, how it builds the trust. And how we should gather before him in such secret moments. Philip Henry said, be sure to look to your secret duty. Keep that up, whatever you do. The soul cannot prosper in the neglect of it. Apostasy generally begins at the closet door. Be much in secret fellowship with God. It is secret trading that enriches the Christian. Pray alone. Let prayer be the key of the morning and the bolt at night. The best way to fight sin is to fight it on your knees. To gather with Him and just talk to Him personally confidentially because i can guarantee you this he is the good father that you can trust we may look at this passage later on as we go through this series but matthew chapter 7 verse 11 jesus still speaking this is what he says if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? What did Jesus say? And Jesus said, hey, you can come and you can talk to the Father. And if you would trust your Father with things, if you trust your Father to do what's best for you, and yet you're, you're dealing with fallen, broken, frail fathers, all of us are in this world, don't you know you can trust your heavenly father? Because your heavenly father, he knows what's good for you. He wants to work in your life. Your, your heavenly father is not against you. Listen, unfortunately, there are too many examples. There are too many examples in our world of fathers who have either abandoned their children, who have not been there for their children. And maybe that father image, it almost, it almost distracts from people's hearts and lives today. But I want to say to you, no matter what your concept of father, the heavenly father is one who loves you and is there for you and who wants to hear your innermost thoughts. And you can trust him to work on your behalf for that which is good. That's what Jesus said. He said, our father above, 
He wants to hear you and he wants to work for his glory and for your good. I tell you, it's a great start, isn't it? Our Father. The two simple truths. Prayer begins with a relationship. Prayer blossoms with realness. As we begin our time together in this study, as we begin this new year, I hope that you'll join me with that posture of prayer, that you'll go before him in relationship, and that you will be the real people, the real children that he desires to hear from so that he would move among us as his people and bless us in ways we could never imagine. Our Father. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for allowing us to call you that. Thank you for allowing us to come into your intimate presence. And God... So many of us, including this pastor, takes this practice so lightly sometimes. And God, this morning in this place, we come before you and those of us who have, Lord, those of us who have not taken the advantage or responsibility of just talking to you. Lord, I pray that we repent today. that we will draw near, that we'll bow our knees and our hearts and our lives. Father, I pray that we don't just talk about relationship, but that we live in relationship. We live in fellowship as we commune with you through, Lord, just prayer, meditation. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here that this year you would challenge every one of us to be people of prayer who just simply talk to you. God, I pray for that one which is here. And Lord, perhaps they're intimidated by the idea. Perhaps it's because they've never even truly committed their life to you. And they have no idea of the Father concept right now. God, I pray that you would move upon their hearts and that you would save them. May your Holy Spirit convict them now in this place. May they recognize you as their eternal parent and your Son, Jesus, as their Savior. Lord, I pray that you would bless us now through this invitation. Help us to hear from you. In Jesus' name.